Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So again, my name is Casey. I'm a, I'm a instructor for Insight LA. I'm a student that happens to be teaching today. And we're going to be talking today about love and relationships, which, uh, <laughs> why'd you come today? <laughs> you knew the title of the talk. <laughs> Uh, it sounded like a good idea on Tuesday when I came up with this. <laughs> Even for me throughout the week, I'm like, why did I do this? And there's not a lot of resources in texts, even in, in Buddhism, speaking specifically about love and relationships. <clears throat> At least in a holy what we would consider positive way, I think it's very positive actually, because it's very based. It's very much based in truth. But it's relationships are linked to attachment so often, and in this way, it's spoken about in Buddhism a lot. We'll, we'll go into a little bit of that. But I was listening to a Tibetan Lama, and he was saying, you know, in Buddhism, Buddhism, there's no formal marriage ceremony. <clears throat> and he said, this is probably a good thing. He said, you probably don't want a Buddhist to marry you. So it would probably be something like, oh, it might work. <laughs> it might not. Everything's impermanent. <laughs> so we really don't know. <laughs> But I'm happy for you to give it a shot. <clears throat> and that's pretty much it. And it's, and it's true. It's really true. But we don't really like to hang out with that part of truth so much. Uh, we want the Disney version. Which is always interesting because Disney always, it, it ends with the beginning. It usually ends when people get together, <laughs> which is the beginning. <clears throat> so we will talk a little bit about that attachment part. It's very important to see the difference between love and attachment. But I think a lot of you are familiar with that aspect. So I wanted to maybe talk about a few other aspects of how can we make a relationship a part of our path in a very beautiful, fruitful way. And um, so I'm going to touch upon a few different points. The first point is that it's not about you. It's not about you. I'll go deeper into that. The second point is it's entirely about you. That's the second point. <laughs> And the third one, expectation will lead to attachment and suffering. Remembering impermanence negates expectation and keeps the love fresh and exciting. 
So the, the first one, it's not about you. As soon as, that, as soon as we make a relationship about what we get, it's over. It's over. As soon as it's about what do we get from it. And maybe we could look at, and we could see when we're looking at our partner or a future partner or ideal partner, we could, I see it in myself, like checking off the boxes on what I would get. We, we've all done this, right? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but what do we get out of it? And instead of just having the opportunity to love, to have something, someone to love. A few of us went to, to see a documentary last night called Ketty. I believe that's what it's called, Ketty. And it's about feral cats in Istanbul. And such a beautiful movie. What was so touching about it was the therapy that people recede from taking care of these feral cats, the healing, the connection, the love that they experienced from caring for these feral cats and having these cats in their life. And just by the act of giving is what we get. This is what we get. It's through this active, active giving. And I think it's interesting how we say, it's like the term, I'm in love, or I'm in love with you. You know, I was meditating on this. I'm in love. I really, I really love that term. <laughs> I'm in love. But more as a state of, like a statement of where I'm at. Like, we're in, we're in California. I'm in love as a state of being right and I'm in love with you I'm in love with you we're in it together we're in love together right like every time I pick up my cat I'm in love I'm in love I don't know if she's in love too I don't know if we're in it together I don't know most of the time she's trying to wiggle away you know? but I'm totally in love I'm in that state of love, just like that. She triggers that state of love. So when I'm with my fiance, she likes to lay on my chest and I caress her hair. She loves that. I love that too. I'm, I'm in love in that place. Right? Not needing anything in return, that, that's it. So there was a man in the movie last night. He was saying how he was, he had a mental breakdown. I forget what year, years ago, he had a mental breakdown. He said he was lost. And he started feeding the feral cats. And he said, it's, this is therapy, really. And it healed him. He said, these saved my life. They healed me. And it was through this act of giving that he healed himself, right? The, the cats were a mere 
trigger, right? A trigger for that love within him. It's interesting with animals to use them as an example because we ask for little or nothing in return. Except their love, like we want to cuddle with them or, or something like that, right? Yet with our human counterparts, there's so much expectation involved and reciprocation. Like, I do this to get this. I read this interesting article, maybe a little bit out of order here, but I don't want to forget it. It was in the new edition of Psychology Today, and they did these tests on oxytocin. And if you know about oxytocin, it's labeled as the love drug, right? The chemical in the brain that is secreted, it's like we want to cuddle and those types of things, yeah? Uh, And so kind of unfortunate for oxytocin is that its reputation just got a little bit tarnished. (laughs) In the new edition of Psychology Today, they were doing a study, and they also realized that oxytocin is responsible for for anger, frustration, jealousy, and be not responsible, but it, it it's it's um it's there. Like when, when those emotions arise, oxytocin is there too. And so I was thinking, they found attachment. <laughs> they found the chemical of attachment. Right? Would we say meta, loving kindness, wanting others to be happy? Right? Now, the near enemy of metta is love with condition. Right? So, loving unconditionally, just loving. Metta, loving kindness. And then the near enemy is loving with condition. The far enemy, of course, is, is hatred. Yeah? The near enemy. So, when we speak of love, we're speaking of this state of being. Yet, when we speak of worldly love, a lot of times we're speaking about attachment. Yeah? And that attachment, that expectation, is what leads to this jealousy, envy, anger, frustration. I told a story a couple weeks ago uh, from a story that Venable Rabina would repeat over and over again with great enthusiasm and humor. I think she really loved to tell this story because she loved the reaction in the room when people would talk about love. And she says, I know what love is. She says, love is when your partner calls you from Mexico. And they say, honey, I found someone new. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) And I'm in love. I'm happy. And you say, I'm happy too. I'm happy for you. And then someone came up to Katie afterwards, my fiance Katie, and she said, if Casey called you from Mexico, <laughs> would that be okay with you? I said, nope. That'd be cool. But we talked about it, and she asked me, like, what if I did that? 
and I would say, I, would, I said I would be disappointed. I would be sad for myself, right? Because I love you and I want to spend time with you. But I would not be angry at you. I would not be angry at all. How could I be angry when this thing that I've labeled, Katie, is an interdependent being manifested through causes and conditions who is absolutely impermanent, moment to moment. She is not the person that I knew yesterday or this morning. She's shifting and changing all the time. I have imputed onto her a certain not I, I fixated a certain label onto her, but that's completely mine. And it's changing all the time. And so my constant reminding of myself of that, but see what we usually do is we remind ourselves of the label of of it. We do the opposite, we go against the grain of truth. Like the Buddha said, against the stream. Yeah, we go against the stream of truth, moment to moment. Yeah? Instead of walking in line with it. Always a constant reminder, impermanence, impermanence. And how about the beauty of impermanence? This is, I think, one of the crucial, crucial pieces that we forget on the beauty of impermanence and how everything looks so stale and so boring all the time. Because we're forgetting impermanence. I mean, think of somebody right now that you are bored with in your life. <coughs> and a, a loved one. Think of a loved one. It could be a, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a partner, a pet. And to think that you just found out that they only have a few months to live. Do you notice the shift? Do you, you notice the preciousness that arises when we re remember impermanence? Like, wow. You know, I thought that crazy person in my life was going to be around forever somewhere in our consciousness. That there's someone that we have to deal with. But not extracting the beauty of them. <coughs> moment to moment, no, thinking that we might be losing that whatever is precious about them. So this remembering of impermanence makes every single moment so incredibly precious. So incredibly precious. And I think that, you know, to look at these, our relationship, kind of going more towards it's all about us now and on that topic, it's all about, it's not about us and the fact that expectation is not what we're looking for. It's not about what we get. And then it is entirely about us as the path because these these triggers in our life, it might be any external phenomena, but let's say in, in respect to our relation, the relationships in our life, 
it's all about us, I guess twofold. For one, self-love, right? So we're not talking about, it's not about us. We give, 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 and you know, we can be a doormat for somebody else, right? That which you want for another is that what you want, what you need to have for yourself, right? So it's all about us because it's all about self-love. We could say other love, self-love. It's about love, love. Love for ourselves, love for others. So it's 100% about ourselves. And this is how we know, you know how do we, how do we uh, navigate relationships? So we navigate them by, am I, do I have self-love, right? So is this, is this healthy for, for, for myself and for others? And then we can navigate without suffering. It doesn't mean that we have to suffer for something to end, right? You only have the attachment for wanting it to stay. This is the, our only suffering. The belief that it's supposed to be happy ever after, whatever that means, right? But we know that all meetings will end with separation anyway, right? We're already separate on a relative level, but we're never apart on an ultimate level. And if, we're, and if we keep fixating on the relative level of self and other, we're never going to get to the part where we see each other as eternally connected. This is what stops us from really connecting in that way. And then it's all about us, because it's all about our thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. What's beautiful, you know, in, in the retreat centers, they used to have this analogy of like, like rubbing stones together and polishing the stones. So I hated that. You know, I started living at retreat centers, and they said, whenever there was conflict with somebody else, they would say, oh, rubbing of the stones, making you a better person. I was like, man, I can get that in the world. That's why I came here. I came here for like, that everything was supposed to be like in a utopia and all that, you know, meditating all the time and everyone was really nice and all that stuff. I was so wrong. So wrong. And it felt like the teachers, they loved conflict. <laughs> um, I speak frequently about precious jewels, about those people in our lives that really rub us the wrong way. And it's beautiful because they're bringing up those triggers of what's inside our, our self, ourselves. There's only one real relationship here, the relationship we have with ourselves, with, with what is arising within our awareness. And our, our internal environment is only made of thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. If you say, if you're having a bad day, it means you're having unpleasant thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, right? If somebody pissed you off, it means that they triggered an unpleasant emotion, body sensation, or thought process, right? And what we're working with is non-grasping and non-attachment to those thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. That's what we mean by let go, let be, right? Nope, not, nothing, not good, not bad. And we're not talking about aversion. So those, those things that are triggered are not bad. It's wanting them to go away 
or wanting them to stay. That's the rub. So being in love means we have to have love without the fear of wanting, of wanting to stay. There's nothing wrong with being madly, madly in love. But when the cat wiggles out of my arms and I don't have her anymore, can I be okay saying, there you go, thank you, right? When someone, when impermanence arises, can we still love? This is equanimity, right? That part of, aspect of the heart, the equanimity, right? Metta, loving, uh, compassion, rejoicing for others, uh, successes, mudita, and then upeka, equanimity. Like everything is perfect as it's arising. And this is the undercurrent. This is ultimate love, right? Relationship is wanting to be connected. That's the definition of relationship, connection. And yet we're never not connected. And so this is, this is uh, the ignorance that we suffer from. And so there's this push-pull of connection, non-connection, connection, non-connection. But if we move into in love, just a state of being in love, then we realize that there's a place we're never not connected. And there's no, there's no problem anymore. Like Yogananda would say, when I'm with my friends, I never want them to leave. And when they're gone, I never miss them. That beautiful. When I'm with my friends, I never want them to leave. And when they're gone, I never miss them. He never feels apart. Like, no such thing. And so that's the beautiful practice, I would say in a nutshell, of how beautiful is it for, for us to have the people in our lives that test our ability to love unconditionally, like without condition, and while holding love for ourselves. Not talking in any way whatsoever about staying in the, an abusive relationship, verbally abusive, physically, in any way whatsoever. That's not benefit to your practice. But just like our practice, we have to see it, what, is, what is a benefit and what is just being lazy. Because we have a lot of lazy within all, I know I do. Like so, something gets tough, I'm out, right? I'm out of here, too hard, right? And it's like in meditation. In meditation we sit, and then when, let's say our knee is hurting, we have uh, an itch arising, First, we just look. We look. We're with it as it is. Not good, not bad. It's shifting, it's changing, it's impermanent. Can I, do I need to move at this moment? What about this moment? See, we're working with the nature of it. What is the true nature of it? Strong sensation arising. Yeah. And then, Maybe we do need to move. Maybe it's too painful. Yeah, but we've worked with it first. So many beautiful lessons like that that arise in relationships. And 
can we can we see the true nature just like the sensation like mindfulness of body can take us all the way to enlightenment because what's the essence of a body sensation impermanence the essence of a body sensation is the essence of all things yeah what's the essence of um, our emotions What's the true nature of thought? So all these things just triggers for us to look at what's inside of us. So I want to read a quote, see how we're doing on time. And in, in a way, this has nothing to do with relationships specifically. Actually, I'm going to read a couple quotes. Um, one is my, one of my favorite quotes of all time. But I, I really think it's, uh, it relates. But what one is uh, about attachment from Soigol Rinpoche. How often attachment is mistaken for love. Even when the relationship is a good one, love is spoiled by attachment. With its insecurity, possessiveness, and pride. And then when love is gone, all you have left to show for it all this, are the souvenirs of love, the scars of attachment. And this is one of just one of my favorite quotes of all time, but I really feel like it's um, it's important here too. This is from Choigum Chumpa. My advice to you is not to undertake the spiritual path. <laughs> it is too difficult, too long, and is too demanding. I suggest that you ask for your money back and go home. <laughs> this is not a picnic. It is really going to ask everything of you. So it is best not to begin. However, <laughs> if you do begin, it is best to finish. So I, I, really, I really think that relationships take all of us. It takes everything. Right? It's, this is a divine... It's a, it's a divine occurrence. Yeah? It takes everything out of us. Yeah? To really love someone completely and wholly takes everything. Non-self takes everything. All, all of us. So let's move into a meta practice and let's see if we can connect with this non-attachment love. as we move into the silent period that, that, to bring into our awareness like we did a couple weeks ago when I spoke last. And there's a reason why we're here together. And there's a reason why we didn't just meditate on our own together this morning. And we wanted to be here and to be held by one another in love. 
So as we've seen already, sorrow has arisen, or maybe it's sorrow, maybe it's not, but emotions have arose. And you could feel it arising in all of us when that happens. All connected, all in relationship, all together, all holding it. Your suffering is my suffering. And then we all could check in in this moment. Where does your awareness begin and end? Just experientially check in. And what I mean by awareness is part of you that knows that you're alive and breathing. Conscious of being conscious. So when things become overwhelming, we tap into our vastness. Just like space can hold a trillion stars, our awareness can hold everything with ease. Check in with your love. Whatever this means to you, your heart center. the love within your being, where does this begin and end? Does it have an end at all? So tuning in and from this place of vast, spacious, loving kindness and awareness. Let's just send loving kindness to each other in the room. And this is simply by mentally repeating the phrase that I will say next, and of course, using your own own phrase. But really, just through intention. May all of us be happy and free from suffering.
resting in love. And see how deeply you can desire unconditional love for yourself and others in this room. myself and others be happy, truly, truly happy. Free from the suffering of attachment. seeing if you can move away from words and concepts and just moving in entirely into the felt sense of loving kindness. And just allowing that to emanate through your being. Bathing yourself in love. love for yourself as much or as bad as you want to love for another another being or as much as you wanted connection with another being
And then on your own, just allowing that intention of loving kindness to spread. And filling up, fill up this room. everywhere. Be happy and free from suffering. phrase is interesting, free from suffering, because like I mentioned, it's free from the aversion of suffering. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with suffering. Pain times resistance equals suffering. Animals are fantastic um, reminders of this. And we've all seen an animal that's injured, they can care less. <laughs> you ever seen that? Hurt paw, running all around, playing. You're like, dude, oh, you're hurt. You're going to hurt it more. You know, like, watch out. And they don't care. They're, not, they're in pain, not suffering. They're not thinking, man, this is really going to mess up my soccer game or whatever. Our expectations and our idea of, they're not, they're just in the moment with it. Not good, not bad. <clears throat> so 
So let me, um, sometimes we break into small groups, but I'm not feeling that today. Maybe we can just, um, if we have any thoughts or comments. Remember when we open it up for the group here, we always keep it um, within our own experience. And if somebody says something, we just stay with the pronoun I in my experience, not talking to people or um, keeping it like, like that. Yes? This is a little off topic, but it came up uh, during your talk for me, which is that I, <laughs> I had the thought that Buddhist would be amazing insurance salesman because he's like, you know, well, everybody needs the umbrella policy because the truth is that your house has already burned down. Yeah. <laughs> your car has already crashed and your health has already failed, and that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> that came up. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, if my current job doesn't work out for me, I'll. Uh... <laughs> insurance sales. So, when you share the story, I can't remember who the individual was, but the one who doesn't, who loves to have their friends around, but when they're gone, he doesn't miss them. And it sounds like that's the place where, that's one of the goals of one of the places to be, is to not have that missing feeling, because it's the attachment. And I feel like, because I moved around a lot, so whenever I move to a new place, I, I really miss the people in the, the last place. And then I move again, and I really miss the people. And there's that ache of missing. And I feel like lately, I don't miss people anymore. I mean, I look forward to times to get to spend with them, but I don't miss them. So I don't have that ache of missing, but instead now I'm just left feeling empty. And that doesn't feel good either. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, so that was... Uh, Paramahansa Yogananda from pretty much all accounts of fully enlightened being and and I think that they're replacing that with a sense of ultimate truth like these these touch points within our hearts of that which the place where we're all connected um, it's a tough place to be. Uh, I'm not. I'm not there either. You know, I, I, miss, I miss my friends too, and have all those attachments too. Although I have touched places of meditation, which I think maybe many of you have, where where love is naturally arising, no matter of external situations, connections, or anything. It's just naturally present. Um, and I am full. I am overflowing, and I don't even know why. There's no reason for it. It's just there. So, you know, for me, I, I just know from my personal experience, I have more work to do. Like, I know that's what they say. <laughs> that there is this current that we could abide in. And to practice this over and over again, this loving kindness to fill us up. Hopefully that helps a little bit. So, I've had very similar experiences in the last like, couple of years. Um, and in regard to romantic relationships, so 
I'm not experiencing like this really strong missing of a person or longing to see a person. And so then what I'm doing is, like I'm then thinking, well, I don't have a strong enough connection with that person. But I don't know, I think it's actually that I've just changed. And so I'm thinking like, oh, well, this isn't like, oh, you know, that fire, passion. It, um, if I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to see that person. Well, it's not strong enough. But my concern is actually that that's just, well, maybe, that, maybe that's because of the of meditation. And I'm not really missing, I don't really miss people very much. Mm -hmm. I love being with my loved ones. And, and I don't really feel that missing either. And it actually, like, I suffer because I'm like, why, am I, why aren't I missing people? Because everyone else seems to miss people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. my thing. <laughs> yeah, just to reiterate again. So, so not missing is, is different than, than not caring. And I think that when we talk about the wisdom practices and non-attachment, the, the subject of nihilism about this just don't care can arise and that's when we know that we're out of balance like bodhicitta should be so incredibly strong that we want to help spontaneously arising we want to help all beings right and we want to care for them and just like there's almost like an ache of not missing them but wanting them not to suffer so badly you know and when I've had very similar things come up um, I remember when I was set upon like a strict regimen of loving kindness and compassion by Venerable Tenzin Chogi. She's like, you must like, and she was very serious. She's like, like double down, right? Because your wisdom, we can't allow our, our conceptual idea of like impermanence and wisdom, that because that's usually what happens. Like we have an understanding, like, oh, everything's impermanent, or whatever. But we're not getting the experiential taste that comes along with it. Like Bodhicitta's loving kindness is innate in this space of truth. It's naturally arising, so it comes along with it. Right? So whenever we say we don't care, then we know, okay, something's a little off. Yeah. Like, um, Zongsar, uh, was, uh, Rinpoche was saying how it's a carefreeness. And you want everyone to be carefree. Like, you just, oh, you want everyone to feel that, that okayness, you know. Everyone so, so strongly you want that for all beings. So. Um, I was thinking that imper one of the happy things about impermanence is that you can forgive yourself for messing up. Oh. It's kind of big. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the quicker you can forgive yourself, the quicker the relationships can repair. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I have a question, but um, I've been working on my marriage ended about four years ago. I've been working with George. I got to forgiveness. Um, I'm okay with them being happy together, you know, the people that are together now, but. I just don't have any desire to have any contact with him at all. I mean, it's just like, I feel done. I mean, it's, it's I, and I'm just wanting to get your thoughts on that as well, if you have any thoughts. Does this come to that point where it's just like, 
what now? I was like, I don't really care to be in contact. There's a level of trust that's been violated, and I just don't. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. But <laughs> uh, one, one thought that just comes to mind is that being in contact with somebody or not, there's people in my family, for example, it's just not part of my self-love to, to be around them, but I could send them love. I, I want the best for them. Maybe it's not healthy for me to be around them, but I want the absolute best for them. And even if I thought the best, if it, if it still was in accordance with my own self-love, to be a part of their life, even though it's not easy, then I would try to do that. But um, sending them love from afar, there's nothing wrong with that. You talked about routine, seeing someone is fixed. And yes. I guess I wanted to mention something about that. Oh, sure. When I think of my husband, he is fixed in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think how easy it might be to forget to remember that he's alive, too. And I think of this event I'm going to have later. We always walk hand in hand when we do this street thing. and. I think if I'm present with him, that's enough. I don't have to remember impermanence, but to be alive with him would be the best. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you. So um, yesterday morning I woke up in this like fantastic mood because I what I had done something the night before. And I was mm-hmm. like, gosh, this is just the greatest day. And I get these inspirational um, emails and it was about the 90-second rule. And it talked about how when something comes up, your body goes through that sensation of 90 seconds. And if you can just really recognize it, whatever it is, if it's fear, panic, love, if you can just get past that 90 seconds, it will subside. And I'm like, That's a, I'm going to keep that with me all day. Well, sure enough, like an hour later, I got the worst text. <laughs> like, put it to practice. And I did. And I just was really present to like all this irritation coming up and I was like and I kind of looked at my at my phone and I was like okay it looks like it's almost two minutes but the funny <laughs> <laughs> thing is it's like it definitely started to kind of just settle down and I just wanted to share that the 90 second rule was just a great um just a great little thing to keep it's so great they say the study comes from an, an unenhanced emotion only lasts 90 seconds mm-hmm. unenhanced by more by more story yeah, exactly. thoughts about it. Yeah. So it's interesting, which is what we're doing, right? Allowing it to just, just to be so fascinating. Um, a new word came up a minute ago, trust. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh yeah, trust. Trusting that other person that you're in a relationship with. I'm in kind of a newest relationship and developing that level of trust that um, you're not going to get hurt. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just forget about that. Yeah. That's the, uh, there's no guarantees. Yeah. The only real trust we have, I think, is the trust in our own inner resources. You know, um, as John Kabat-Zinn likes to say, you know, you can't change the waves, but you can learn to surf. And so these are interdependent beings and shifting and changing all the time and 
but we could trust that it doesn't matter whether it's a relationship or just life, like old age, sickness, and death, right? There's always going to be some kind of calamity in, in life. And so, whatever that might be, it might be a relationship. I mean, even if they're there till the end, they still might pass away or something, right? So, it's how are we going to be able to, to uh, deal with that as it arises? You know, I just thought trust for us, uh, for me, too often means predictability, doesn't it? And that's sort of the nature of suffering is when we say that we trust somebody, it means that we sort of think we know how they're going to be. Yeah, expectation. Which isn't the case yeah. at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe we can. No? I'm just thinking about trust and like if it's held from a different place of I trust that, that, that this person is also in a state of love, right? Mm -hmm. So that they are acting from the deepest of, of good, right? And if we trust that, it's so much easier to like not be sort of swayed for me. Um, I guess by my own conditioning or like reaction to response, I mean reaction to whatever happens and that it's coming from a place of that's the trust, like of good. Yeah. So I want to end, oh, oh, just one more, I mean, be aware of time. Um, just wanted to say I, I love your story with the cat, you know, you're in love with your cat and then the cat leaves, walks away and, you know, you're Thank you. You know, that's the right um, response and how there's always some relationship in our lives that really shows us we're, we're not like that. And, you know, right now in my life, it's, I'm just seeing more clearly one of my family members and um, how I'm not like that. And I just, it just hit me. I was always thinking, oh, you know, she's like this and like this and like this and, you know, everything that this person is doing wrong and and then I it hit me you know it's, it's my parents right and I'm having a really good relationship with one parent it doesn't matter what this parent says or how they respond to me how you know it's I'm always okay with this person and I could see yeah I have no karma I mean, nothing there's a very nice flow however mm -hmm. with this other parent it's like oh my god and I see that I am, have so much attachment and so many expectations with this parent, with the other one I'm completely let go. It's really, I don't care how, how, what they say, how they react or respond. I don't hold anything against this person, but with this one I'm like, oh, I can't believe you said that. You should, this is how you should be. And, and, and it's just something I've been really focusing on and it's um, really great, great lesson, how can I be more, you know, with this parent, like I'm with that one, you know, pull away these expectations and to not be, um, not be hurt and to keep in that, you know, I just, I just, the picture that you gave it to a cat, it's gonna, it's, it's stick, sticking in my head, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> can anyone relate to what she's saying? <laughs> Wonderful. So let's just yeah. end. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, end with a little reading of the Metta Sutta.
she reached the state of peace, one skilled in the good, should be capable and upright, straightforward and easy to speak to, gentle and not proud, contented and easily supported, living lightly and with few duties, wise and with senses calmed, not arrogant and without greed for supporters, and should not do the least thing that the wise would criticize. May all be happy and secure. May all beings be happy at heart. All living beings, whether weak or strong, tall, large, medium or short, tiny or big, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or to be born, may they all be happy. Let no one deceive another or despise anyone anywhere. Let no one through anger or aversion wish for others to suffer. As a mother would risk her own life to protect her child, her only child, so toward all beings should one cultivate a boundless heart. With loving kindness for the whole world should one cultivate a boundless heart, above, below, and all around, without obstruction, without hate, without ill will, standing or walking, sitting or lying down, whenever one is awake, may one stay with this recollection. This is called a sublime abiding here and now. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.